Have you ever thought, marriage, what did we get ourselves into? Well, today Scott Kadersha shares from his new book, Ready or Not, about some of the crucial conversations that all couples should have before or even after they get married. The Legendary Marriage Podcast begins now. If you're feeling more like roommates than soulmates, it's time for the Legendary Marriage Podcast. Every couple wants to have a great marriage, but the trials and challenges of life pull us in different directions. So we talk with amazing couples who share their stories and incredible experts who share their wisdom about building a life together. And at the end of every show, we give you a conversation starter so you and your spouse can build more intimacy and connection in your marriage by having conversations that matter. It's Valentine's Day week. Oh, Happy won't Valentine's. you be my Valentine? I guess I have to. Well, I mean, <laughs> I could find a different Valentine. I guess it's kind I, of the theme You know, theme it's of the nice show. being the, the only guy in the house because I have my pick of Valentines. That's true. You could pick one of our daughters instead. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hey, this is Danielle and Justin, and welcome to episode 115 of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. Yeah. Um, I, I just wanted to say that we're starving in this moment. <laughs> so just take everything we, we say with a grain of salt. See, most people start, mm, start salt. major diets and, and exercise programs and things like that in January. No. We're not suckers for that. No. We wait till the middle of February. When everybody's out of the gym. Get out. And uh, we're starting keto today. Yes. And so we're drinking all kinds but of... But we're not going to tell you what program because they don't have an affiliate program. Okay, we'll wait. And then maybe <laughs> if we have an affiliate, and then we'll tell you what we're doing. Okay, so you know what? We love I'm the... I'm kidding. Re- I'm kidding. We could tell them, but we just did, no, it doesn't really not, matter. It's too late now. Reviews on iTunes. Oh love it. Oh my gosh. Love it. Here's one that just came in. Great show and great people, says Alan the Briggs. They are digging into real topics that can get you communicating and back on the same page. Totally worth your time and investment. That's the whole point. Yes, yes, a thousand times yes. That's exactly what we're doing here. Every week, we're bringing you conversations with uh, couples sharing their stories and experts sharing their wisdom so that you can go back and have a conversation that matters with your spouse. That's that. That's the whole point. Thank I like you. It. Thank you. Praise God. All right. I love the uh, worth the time investment. So honestly, I try to listen to as many podcasts as I can. So I listen to them on 1.5 or 2.0 time speed. Like 2x. Yeah, is that what you do too? Uh, that feels really disrespectful to the to the authors, to the to the people. Yes, I do it too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had a conversation with somebody uh, last week. And they're like, and wow, you talk really was, slow in real life. He was, no, he, he was like, he, I said, I listened to this book in, at, at 1.5 or 2x speed. And he was just like, he's an author. And he was just horrified. No. Yes. Absolutely horrified. Like Stop. that is no, 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 that's not, it's not okay. I was okay. like, oh, well, you know. Well, we do that with everything. All right, so... So the point of mentioning the review is, if you haven't, jump over to iTunes. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jump over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review the show. Uh, those reviews are so important. They let us know how we're doing. If we're on track, if we're off track, they let us know what you're, you're looking for. And they help other couples find us in the sea of podcasts out there. I love the sea of podcasts. Yes. All right. So let's talk a little bit about Freshly. Oh, we love Freshly and we think you will too. So we worked with them to put together an offer for the legendary marriage family. Freshly offers chef prepared, all natural gourmet meals delivered to customers' doorsteps through a weekly subscription model. All right. Every meal is packed with high quality proteins. Loves those proteins. Meals never contain gluten, refined sugars, or artificial additives. None of that yucky stuff. Here's the deal. Meals arrive fresh, never frozen, and they're ready to eat in three minutes. Go to legendarymarriage.com slash freshly. You get 30% off your first month and start enjoying those fresh, delicious meals delivered to your door without all the cook and cleanup and prep time. 
Love it. All right. And also, we love our Amazon. Just a quick reminder, any of the books that we mention on this show, you can grab it, legendarymarriage.com slash Amazon, and we get a little bit to support the podcast. So go ahead, hit up the Legendary Marriage store as well. We've got some fun gift ideas. You know, you may need a few gifts this week. Valentine's week and um, all the books that have been featured on the show as well. So hit up legendarymarriage.com slash Amazon. What on earth should you know about me? And what should I know about you? Shouldn't we have figured this out before we got married? Probably. (laughs) You know, we did, we did a little thing. Yeah, we did. We did a little something, something, which we'll go into in the episode, but Scott Kadersha. He's our guest on the show this week. He's talking about his brand new book called Ready or Not. K-N-O-T. Tie the knot. Um, And all the important conversations that you need to have before you get married or if you're already married, these are important conversations to have as well. So let's get to our conversation with Scott Kadersha. Oh, all righty, all righty, all righty. We're here with Scott Kadersha. He's the second go round. On the show. Scott is one of our rare special guests that we have yeah. on two times. So Scott Kadersha serves as the director of marriage ministry. Hello. We love those people at Watermark Community Church in Dallas. We got to get up there sometime. And I know. Yeah. We sure do. He loves to write about family, leadership, marriage. Um, and he has a new book called Ready or Not, K-N-O-T. I love it. Uh, he's a punny guy. 12 conversations every couple needs to have before they get married. And so cool because these are conversations that we need to have even if we're not newlyweds. Yes. Um, married to Kristen, has his four boys. He's a blogger. And he has a killer blog. Oh, yeah. Loaded with date night ideas. Yeah, yeah. He's got all and kinds, all kinds of, of good stuff. He's got a good stuff. Um, Welcome to the show, Scott. We're glad to have you back. Thank you. You guys are very kind. It's good to be back again. I'm excited uh, to be here. <laughs> no. Okay. Have you always been a punny guy? Like with the book, the book title, Ready or Not? No. See, see, I didn't even come up with the title. It, came up, it was a friend of mine who came up with it. And so we're like bouncing around a bunch of ideas and they were all pretty good. And then she says that. It was like, drop the mic. That's yes. the one we're going with. So, yeah. yes. It, Brilliant. It really is. Okay. How, wait, before we dive in, like how are Kristen and the boys? Yeah, they're good. Thanks for asking. They're, uh, you know, four boys. So it is a, uh, like I say, it's a loud, smelly, obnoxious home always. And, <laughs> and they're, they're good. They're, they're all in high school now, aren't they? Two in high school, ninth grade, sixth grade, and fourth grade. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, that does have to be loud and smelly. It is. We it have is. two girls, so I don't think it's going to be too smelly in our house. I'm crossing my fingers. Well, you're going to have your own issues to deal with with two girls that are probably different than the ones that yes boys. All, all a great opportunity right may god have mercy on all of us yes yes but, right okay so i love scott how you key into kind of the newlywed scene in this book because i mean we all have our like love goggles on and we're like ooh, we're gonna decide to get married what do people actually consider before they say Yes, honey, I'll marry you. Like, is it just a gut feeling? Or like, do people actually have any thought behind it whatsoever? <laughs> yeah, that, so I don't know. I mean, it's it depends. Every couple's a little bit different in how they handle that. Some couples are just getting way caught up in all the emotions and the love and the ooey gooey and the love goggles. And my partner, you know, my significant other can do no wrong. And so a lot of couples go into marriage really blind. Like all they care about is the wedding day. But we've seen it in many ways, like kind of the opposite end of that, of couples who are really just terrified of marriage, right? They've never seen it done well. Mom and dad, uh, you know, did not model it well. They know the divorce rates in the church, outside the church. They um, they have friends who don't love being married. And so they come in like really eyes wide open. And so I've actually found like a lot of the couples who come to our church, for prep are, are really skittish and terrified about marriage. And so they tend to be really open and willing to listen and teachable because they want to do this thing right. Mm. Okay. Brilliant. So when Justin and I started 
I wouldn't even say dating because we were just friends for a really long time before we even started dating. And so I was actually concerned because Justin told me he was going to marry me the first time we went out on a date. Would you advise that, I was Scott? right. Would you advise that, Scott? <laughs> I, I would probably kind of like run away from that typically. Like if, if, if it's pronounced. So, so here's the deal. I was here's a little put off by it. Yeah. Here's the deal. Um, maybe <laughs> here I comes. wasn't all that certain. I just figured I'd throw it out there so that I could say I was right later. You're just playing a percentages was, kind of life thing. Life is a percentages game. Like you literally said, hey, Danielle, I think we're going to get married someday. Yes. Or what I, said, on our first I said, date. you know what? Yeah. On our first date. Someday I'm going to marry you. Yeah, yeah, he said that on our first date and I did not respond well. But partly what like... she doesn't know is I said that to all the girls. Stop! <laughs> did you really? <laughs> you did not. Well, but my point is I was concerned because, I mean, we like to yuck it up. We like to have a good time. We're really good friends. And that's really how it started out was we had a really deep, fun friendship that turned into a more romantic connection. So my concern is why I like, I pushed the break for so long was I was concerned that would it just be a friendship or was there really a like long lasting romantic connection or was it just a, Hey, we're young and hormonal. And I think you were just being chicken. I mean, there's some, there's something about, I don't know. Was there anything in you that was like, Hey, that's pretty cool that he knows what he wants. And he is bold and saying that he's, he thinks he's going to marry you someday. I felt very pursued. Yeah. I felt very pursued. And that was, it was a turn on, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend it typically, but, (laughs) (laughs) but Hey, it it worked out just fine for you now. So who am I to tell you you did it the wrong way? I know, but do couples ask like the real questions that they really need to know answers to before they jump way into the deep end? Yeah. The wise ones do, right. The ones who like realize, Hey, I'm not just going to buy, you know, a new, dress a new suit and a new car i'm not i mean this is like hey who are you going to spend the rest of your life with and so if somebody is you know is going into that that decision but blinders on that's really concerning but the couples who really go hey this is a big this is a huge decision this is the most significant human relationship that i will ever have and so i better go in knowing who I'm marrying. And you know, the part of the problem is they go, I just want a really awesome wedding day. That's another big mess. Nothing wrong with a great wedding day, but if it's at the expense of a, of a healthy, strong relationship, that's a big problem. Okay. You want to know how much thought we put into ours. Okay. We were just young and I think we we put into the wedding day. No. How much thought we put into our marriage. We were a bunch of young dum-dums because we didn't even really know how the whole world worked at all we signed up for our honeymoon tickets to jamaica and we had like an eight hour layover in atlanta or something <laughs> ridiculous right. we had no i idea. was just looking for the cheapest way Cheap. to get there i wanted the money yeah. to go into the place yeah. we had no idea what we were doing at all and we're like wait what we're stuck here for eight hours like is this can't be right so we're like looking through the bookstore and there was some book that said like questions married people should ask and we're like oh hey 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 we should we should get that That, that'll that'll waste eight hours yeah so and it did (laughs) not so much waste but past but that was one of our first introductions to like hey we should maybe put some sort of intentionality behind this thing (laughs) maybe we should think about this thing we just did yeah like a lot like i've heard this story so many times that like a pastor will sit down with a couple you know one time and all they do is talk about the wedding day and nobody really like prepares them here's what's going to happen they might say you're going to argue about money and family and sex and so good luck get married we'll figure it out later and that's just, you know, it's a, it's a missed opportunity to really prepare well to know who you are. Because, you know, for like till death do you part is a, is a really long time. Unless you get married in your 80s, right? It's That's a <laughs> long time to be connected with God somebody. God bless them. That's still like 40 <laughs> years, but you know. Well, I know it's science nowadays. <laughs> yeah, it might, might be, yeah. 
Okay. So what are some of the main conversations? Let's jump into it. Cause in your book, ready or not, you actually break down 12 of the conversations that every couple needs to have before marriage. But a lot of these are just appropriate across the board, whether you've been married a long time or you're newly married. Um, so let's just dive into a few of those and then, you know, they can read the book to figure out the rest of them, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm so excited about this because uh, one chapter, you're talking about something that we, we talk about all mm-hmm. the time. And it's really essentially community. Yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about the, the perspective you're taking there and why you, you see this as so important for couples. Yeah. So I'll give you a little bit of background of my story with Kristen. So we met, she was my teacher. I was her student. We started dating. Right. And, uh, and, um, a couple, couple months in, like people were really concerned about our relationship. It was unhealthy, spiritually, emotionally, physically crossing boundaries. Just like I was so addicted to Kristen Kadersha or Kristen was her Kristen Lichterman was her maiden name. I was so like, could not get enough of her. She is the kindest person in the world now, but was really mean to me back then. She was kind of dating this other guy. And like our communities played a huge role in coming around us and saying, Scott, you need to break up with Kristen. Kristen's friend said, Kristen, you need to break up with Scott. And so we broke up and, uh, and then really took the next six months. I thought we were done. You know, Taylor Swift, we were never, ever, ever, ever getting back together is what I thought would happen. <laughs> And we both got really serious about our faith. And, uh, and about six months later, those same communities came around us and said, Scott, hey, have you thought about getting back together with Kristen? And her community did the same thing with me. And so we kind of, at that, at that moment, you know, when we really came back together, said, like, this gift of friendship is an amazing thing. They saved mm-hmm. us from our relationship early on and then helped bring us back together. And so that's a little personal testimony that, you know, that we're so thankful for community in our life and wonder why people wouldn't want friends like that around them. What do you think that your friends, yours and Kristen's friends saw that you guys just didn't? Yeah. Yeah. We were blinded by love or by, by feelings. Honestly, it wasn't love because definitely not any kind of biblical kind of love. It was, uh, it was, uh, it was feelings. It was attraction. It was hormonal. You know, for me, for sure, I just wanted to be with her physically, and um, and we were blind. I think there were some fears. She was a little bit older, so there were some fears that she wasn't going to find anyone else. I, I was nice to her, and so that's what drew her in. But I was weak and passive, and um, you know, spineless in many ways. And then I was willing just to take anyone who I thought. I wouldn't say just anyone, but I was really attracted to her physically and wanted to be with her. She was confident. She was, um, you know, had a lot of things I wanted. And so we missed out on the things that were really important. Like we missed the, the strong faith component of our relationship because everything else kind of blinded us. Yeah. I'm wondering, did you kind of cut your friends out when you were so focused on Kristen in the beginning? Cause I feel like when, when you fall in like that hard, love or even like a lust kind of place when you're in those high school, college years. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's just across the board, no matter how old you are. Yeah, I think I a, feel little, like you a just, little lust, a little lust is, is almost a good thing at any age. Well, yeah. I, I feel in like there, you know? in the beginning, you so singularly focus on that person yeah. that you like disappear to your friends. Yeah, that, there's actually a phrase I heard. It's called submarining. And so a couple meet, like the couple's like real involved in church. He does stuff with, you know, with his friends and with his groups and she does the same. And then they meet one another and then they like literally go under the surface and they disappear for, for months because all they do is spend time with each other. And in the process, they can't, they cut out all their friendships. They stop serving. They, you know, maybe they'll still get a church, but they kind of pop in and pop out and they miss out on that provision of people who can really speak into their life and their relationship. Yeah. What a blessing that you guys had those friends that even stuck by you when you were basically cutting them out yeah. of your life. Yeah. Because yeah. I always want I always wondered that like that would happen with friends in high school. And it's like, of course we're still gonna be there when you come back, but some people aren't. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And so like one of you know, what we did find is that uh, just like what do you what do you look for in friends? And this is something that holds true now for 
me and Kristen married 17 and a half years and holds true for Justin and Danielle, for any married couple, like what are you looking for in community? And so what those friends were willing to do, what my friends are willing to do now is, you know, if you look at the book of Proverbs, it's just filled with great counsel about friendships. You know, one, Proverbs 13, 20, he who walks with the wise grows wise. The companion of fools will suffer harm. And so you want to walk with wise people. Uh, Proverbs 27, 6, uh, you know, I'll botch it uh, word for word, but uh, essentially an enemy multiplies kisses, but a friend is willing to wound you. And so, uh, you know, like a, a, an enemy just says, here's how awesome you are. And let me give you kisses. Ma, 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 ma. The yes, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, but somebody who's like a true friend is willing to say, hey, this is an area in your life where I think you fall short. And then Proverbs 27, 17, you know, iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another. So one woman sharpens another. And so friends who are willing to do those things are like the, are the best kinds of friends. And that holds true whether you're a single individual, dating, engaged, married for a minute or married for decades, you want those kind of friends in your life. And I, I go into much greater detail in the book, but those are generally some of the things you want to find. What if you are, you know, kind of in that newlywed phase or you're getting ready to get married or whatever, and you have this conversation and you realize you are the center of that person's universe mm. and they do not have friends yeah like yeah. or maybe they just have you know acquaintances at work or you know things like that people that you know kind of hang out around the water tank but they do not have true friendships what yeah. do you do with that yeah that's a good question so on that you know on the pre-married side that's that's one where uh, i'd be careful about moving forward i'd want to know why do you not have those kinds of friends around you if you are somebody who's married and you don't have those friends, I'd say, what, what can you do to find those kinds of friendships? You know, what, uh, you know, you're connected to each other, you're one flesh, you're married. And so at that point, what do you do to find some good relationships around you who can help you grow in your, uh, grow in your marriage and your friendship with one another? Would you step into a marriage knowing that that person, maybe they're just like very introverted and they, you know, don't really see the need for good friends. Um, they just want to focus on you. Well, let's, like, let's not confuse introversion with isolation. Yeah. True. true. Yeah. Two completely different things. So would you still commit in a relationship with somebody who is so committed to isolation yeah, that's that's a better that's a great way to say it, Justin. You do want to uh, somebody who is <laughs> good job, honey. Way to say it better than me. Yeah, yeah. Because introvert, extrovert. There's no there's no sin there. But the one who isolates, there's some there's some sin. If you're not willing to let other people speak into your life, then what what is it about that? Like, why do you want not want others in your life? Why do you like? There's pride there potentially. You know, I would say people who isolate typically they quarrel against all sound wisdom. They think, I know better than you. I know better than anyone else. In fact, I'll tell you, the couples that I spend the most time shepherding and helping other couples shepherd are the ones who isolate and don't want other people speaking into their life because yeah. they're prideful. And so, you know, that's where, uh, you know, helping, it's great to do that on the pre-married side so you know what you're getting into. And, then, and I would say, if you're dating somebody who doesn't want friendships, then I'd, I'd run away. Like I would not, because you're signing up for that for the rest of your life. You know, honestly, I watch that with and my that's mom. That's a lot of my... pressure too. Like you're yeah. that only person, you're their only friend. Like then you have to be like perfect. That's yeah. too much pressure for one person. Yeah, you are going to let each other down for the rest of your life. I mean, that's guaranteed. And so having <laughs> friendships around helps minimize minimize a lot of that. That's a great new, new vow. <laughs> Honey, I'm going to let you down every day of my life. <laughs> I promise. Yeah. I, I promise. promise. I you, guarantee I but am the vow not is, as great as you think I am. The vow is you're going to stick around to deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think about that. Like the the Maybe on the other side of that spectrum is, of community is isolation, but, it's all, but I feel like sometimes with a lot of the couples I've worked with, it's, it's also a little bit of codependence. Yeah. Um, uh, and then even for myself, like when I move away from community, I know it's because I am not in an emotionally healthy place. Yeah. I am not, 
I'm moving into depression. You're feeling shamey. I'm feeling shamey. Yeah. Um, and, and so I move away in those, in those times. But I think, I think, you know, you mentioned introversion and, and, uh, let's make sure we don't. Um, yeah. Isolation, yeah, totally well, different ball game. But like when you're, when you're, when you're dating somebody or, or considering getting engaged, like, like not everybody is a, is an Enneagram seven or, yeah. you know, a, a high extrovert or anything. So it, it's, I think it's important to be asking those questions, to be t- having those conversations and, and finding your way together in it. Yeah. You just, something you just said, Justin, I read this book called the all, all or nothing, Mar- or all or nothing marriage by this guy named Eli Finkel. He's a professor uh, somewhere in Chicago and there's so much pressure on the spouse now to meet all of our needs. And so I expect you to, to satisfy me in every single way. And God didn't intend it to be that way. You know, we, we joked a minute ago about like, you're going to let me down, but the, but you will. And especially if you put that kind of expectation on your spouse to be your everything, it's hard enough as it is. That's the only promise about you know marriage in the entire Bible is if you marry, you will have trouble in this life. Mm-hmm. And so there's already going to be pressure and it's already difficult. But when you put all that pressure on your spouse to meet all of your needs in every single part of life, you are going to exacerbate those frustrations and create a better potential for letdown. Just thinking about, just hearing you say it, I'm thinking about it. I'm getting, I'm losing air. I'm feeling like <laughs> <laughs> it's too much. It's too much. You know, I, I thinking about this, uh, like admittedly, uh, we've been talking about this the last few months. We have withdrawn from community a little bit over the last couple of years. Like our community has, has become a, a, we have more of a tribe. Like mm-hmm. there are very few people that we're very deeply connected with mm-hmm. like one, maybe two other couples mm-hmm. to, and their kids that, that we, we spend the majority of our time with. Um, and then uh, we've invested a lot into our, our, uh, the legendary marriage community yeah. on Facebook um, and through the podcast and everything. And we actually got called out on it mm. uh, right, right after Christmas. Some mm. some friends were like, um, yeah, where you been? And it was it was convicting and like we've been on this journey where where we've been really, really focused over the last couple of years around building and living out the vision for our family that yeah. we want. And and we've we've sacrificed the community element a little bit. Yeah. And it, it it's cost us. That's a good friend who's willing to like that. That's hard for someone to say that to you, right? To mm-hmm. to kind of put your friendship on the line, and and I go, that's a great gift, and and even your your humility in hearing that. Right? I was just I just read this in Proverbs nine seven through nine this morning that the scoffer, the rebuker, when somebody challenges them, they kind of bow up and they go the other way. But the wise person, when you rebuke them, they grow wiser, they learn in the process. And so you're doing what, you know, what the good side of that proverb says, and you're saying, hey, that's, we needed to be challenged. And that's, uh, that's the kind of person I want to marry, right, is someone who will listen to a rebuke and lovingly accept it, you know, or at least process it. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is you just, you just say like, okay, what of this is true? Like what needs to land and what does not need to land? So yeah, there's a little bit of discernment mixed in there too. Stay tuned for more of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. All right. So all of December, we gave away 60-minute breakthrough coaching sessions, and it was a blast. We got to talk with some amazing couples who are fighting together to build legendary marriages. Yeah, it was so much fun. We decided we're just going to keep doing it. Let's do it. Coaching has changed our lives and our marriage, and we went through a crisis in 2005. We didn't know if we would make it. Like, obviously, we did, and coaching's a big part of why we're still here. And, mm-hmm. and it became such a big part that we're both coaches now. And 10 years have gone by, uh, more than 10 years have gone by, and all kinds of trials and challenges. And yet our marriage has never been stronger. High and, five, babe. Yeah, high five. Boop. So maybe you're like we were. Uh, maybe you're in a really tough season. Maybe you're not sure how to find a way through it together. Maybe you're doing okay, but just feel like something's missing. Maybe it's something about the relationship. Maybe it's just something in your own piece of life. 
Why not take an hour to get some clarity, create a plan to build a life, a love, and a legacy together? Just head over to legendarymarriage.com slash coaching and schedule your free breakthrough session today. All right. So whether you're feeling a weariness um, or you just want to get a jump on 2019 goals, we'll give you a sounding board and get you radically clear about what's important. So wherever you're at, whatever you're up to, we want to help. No strings attached. We won't be trying to sell anything. We'll simply help you identify and process that thing that might be having you feeling stuck. And we'll get you a clear strategy to take action to get you where you want to go. So let legendarymarriage.com slash coaching to claim your free 60 minute breakthrough coaching session and today. make 2019 the best year ever make it legendary yes legendary and now back to our show you're really talking about the the relationships with that extended family with in-laws um dun, dun, dun. yeah <laughs> Which I have the most amazing in-laws I have ever had. Mm. I mean, they're the they, best, the best they in-laws have I've ever known. listened to every episode yeah. of this podcast back and, backwards and forwards <laughs> and twice in between. Yes. And we love them very much. No, awesome. But it is, it is interesting, too, when you come from different backgrounds. It wasn't always kind of, that way, though. Yeah, yeah. It was not always that way. Really? Really? Do you remember that? Your mom and I had some times where the, I, we just missed each other. Oh yeah, that's true. And I mean, it 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 uh, we had some unpleasant conversations. Oh, when we almost packed up and left vacation in the middle of vacation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've been there. I bet a lot of your listeners have been there as well, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. The, I, I think what what you said there is so key that I mean they're human beings too. Right. And so often we treat like our in-laws, like they're not, they're second rate. They're not real people. They're monsters. And, and so you treat them like, like, how do you want to be treated is the way you treat them. You know, you want to be respected and listened to and cared for, uh, you know, prayed for. Then you do the same thing with in-laws and they get such, such a bad rap. Yeah. Right? And, and I go, it does not have to be that way. Now, some people are, some people are, and, that, and that's not to minimize what, some of you might be walking through and experiencing. I know that there are some really challenging family situations out there. Sure. But so often, like the in-laws get the bad rap and we don't give them a fair chance. And, and sometimes you just got to communicate. I mean, you really just need to talk through what some of those challenges are and work through it with them just like you would with your spouse. Here's a question I have. Like, if you know after having this conversation that your you and your spouse come from a drastically different place mm-hmm. maybe there's been um some like true ugliness like abuse trauma like that addiction whatever it is like in their family line is there anything where you're like holy moly like this is a total caution flag mm-hmm. like i oh, don't mean, yeah see, I, I keep thinking back to where we're at and and i'm so glad you're asking this question because it, it takes us back to that to that place for we're younger couples and they're they're yeah. considering getting married or thank you yeah it's, it's just like um you know the ugliness that exists there and like when you're like you said high on hormones you know some of this stuff doesn't necessarily like manifest or come to the surface in your spouse or your new spouse until you're oh it'll be fine i'm not worried about that we aren't gonna live with maybe a few years in and you're like where did this part of you come from (laughs) yeah that's good i'll give you a couple thoughts so one on the pre-married side for any couples who are not married and moving towards marriage. One of the things I always tell them is um, so often couples who, yeah, in a, in a, in a biblical view of marriage, that God intends sex for marriage only, not before marriage. And I fully believe that, believe what God's word says there. And couples so often will kind of blow by that and just ignore it. And they're sexually intimate with, with each other before marriage. And when they are, it's so easy to overlook all of these differences. Like, hey, that your family's crazy, and but that's okay because sex is really good. And, yeah. and I go, man, that's a that's a big mess, you know, for uh, for you to be doing something that's not intended for before marriage. And in the process, you minimize. So it kind of puts blinders on so yeah. that you don't see like the and true landscape of the picture going on. Let me on throw here. something in here. Let, <laughs> let me throw exactly something right. in here. Uh, 
let's just be perfectly clear here. Great sex isn't all that complicated or difficult. <laughs> like to all the couples listening, yeah. who are thinking I got to make sure we're sexually compatible and all of this. Like y- y'all, it, it ain't that complicated. It yep. It fits. It, it's it's going to work. It's going to be fine. And, and, and it's something that both people want, right? It's pretty easy to get aligned on the same page with your spouse uh, about wanting to have great sex, right? So yeah. if it's an issue, if there are complications, you can be aligned about, about creating solutions or getting help for there. There, it's just, it's, it's the number one issue that I hear couples in, in that place talk about, especially the, the couples now in their twenties and thirties where sex and sexuality has been so escalated in our culture yeah. Um, that, that idea of sexual compatibility. And the fact is y'all, it, it, you can, you'll make it work. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are things that are so much more important. You'll find a way. Your anatomy is so totally mismatched that you will never work. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's, that's just crossing a line. Oh, Okay. We can always take it out in editing, but no, are there really some like family circumstances where you should say, hold the phone? Like, I think that this could really bite us in the butt, like down the road, like you need to deal with whatever all that baggage is before I jump in, you know, the baggage too. Yeah, that's good. Good question. So a couple thoughts there. You know, one is that you, you don't marry the individual. You get their whole family. You get the family history. You get their background, their family of origin, their stories. All of that comes with your spouse, right? There's no way to quarantine or isolate your spouse away from their family. That being said, just because mom and dad do something does not mean that their son or daughter does the same thing or has to end up the same way. And so we're responsible largely for what direction we take. We can't just blame our parents. And so um, so it's kind of this two-way street of one, you can't ignore it, but two, you don't have to be it and you don't have to reproduce it. Now, that being said, if you do marry someone who comes from crazy, when Christmas rolls around, you're going to be celebrating Christmas with crazy. And so, uh, so you can't ignore it or pretend it doesn't exist. It's there. And, and those just become good people, good opportunities to love. You know, I'm partly that uh, apart from Christ, I don't know what I would be like and how crazy I would be. And so for me to just quarantine someone off or uh, blame them for issues without, if they're, you know, if they don't know the Lord, well, of course, there's some dysfunction going on. And I talked through this in the book and every, every chapter I interview a different couple uh, about the topic, communication, money, sex, etc. What's interesting about the, the in-laws chapter is that the couple I interview uh, is not a happy ending with their with their family. And so it doesn't, you know, change the details, whether it's the husband's family or the wife's family. All the other chapters basically have a happy happily ever after ending. But the in-laws one, this like this couple I know has done everything they can to care for their both of their families. They've, you know, they've processed it, they've apologized, they've asked for forgiveness, they've worked really hard to bridge those relationships. And at the end of the day, they're, they're just not there. And uh, all of us who know them would say they've done everything they can. They've been humble, they have, you know, soft forgiveness, they've done all that we would, we would want or hope or expect them to do. And the end of the day, we can't control other people. And so that that's what's really challenging about families is, you know, we do want to love them and care for them, treat them like human beings, like everybody else, but we can't get the result we necessarily want because we don't control them. And so um, it's not always the happy ending we want. It's hard. It's I mean, not to minimize it in any way. It's so challenging for some friends out there. Uh, and I know some of your listeners, like, I don't, I don't know your families. And so I can't say that, um, uh, there might not be a happily ever, after, you know, happily ever after. But are you being faithful to love them? Are you praying for them? Are you doing everything you can to own your part? And then if you are, you know, hopefully you can put your head down on your pillow at night and sleep really well, knowing you've done everything you can, and then trust God to do whatever He He only can do in them. 
Does that help? I, mean, I don't want to yeah, just... Absolutely. It, yeah. it does. And it brings up another question for me. And that is, at, at some point, you probably need to... Like, if you're in this situation, like you're speaking of about this, you know, irreconcilable differences. Did I say that word right? I don't think so. I but, think so. Um, the, uh, the boundaries issue is like, well... You know, I know that they want to come over every Sunday for dinner, but it's basically like letting poison into this house every Sunday. Hmm. So the boundary is going to be drawn. Like we are not going to consciously let poison yeah. into our family every Sunday night. Yeah, I think I, <laughs> I think the conversation is like, when are we going to allow poison? Right. Yeah. But, but it, but it's it's when do we just we gut it out and we, you know, we, we engage people with curiosity and compassion. And then when they leave, we open the windows and, you know, sage the, sage house. the house or whatever. And when do we close the door and just say, no, not, not now. Yeah. That's, I mean, that, again, that's so difficult to answer. Every situation is different. I do know on the boundary side that, you know, love pushes through boundaries. It doesn't just say, Hey, let's put a wall up. And so what, what do you do? Like, you know, thankfully Christ pushed through that boundary with us and pursued us. And so what does it look like for us to do? You know, Romans 12, 18, as much as it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And so what can you do to pursue peace? And then, and then yes, there are times when you just go, hey, this is toxic for our family. Yeah. And, uh, and we're going to continue to pray, continue to love, but we might need to put some good boundaries around a relationship to protect, uh, protect our relationship from poison that can affect it. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not sacrificing my marriage or my yeah. family um, because I'm trying to be kind and loving to somebody else. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's just me, but <laughs> no, it's not. I mean, it's, and especially if you have kids, it becomes even more right. complicated. Right. 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 And so again, if I can go back, just that's where community comes in and can help you process that. That's yeah. again, the gift to go back. Let's go back to the other conversation. Community can help you process where you're falling short and how you can love better. Okay. So let's turn a quarter here. One of the other conversations that we want to make sure we do not miss is the money conversation. Yeah. And I feel like uh, this is like the never ending it's not a newlywed yeah. thing. It is like the never ending conversation. And so what are some of the key points that you want to make sure that you hit with your spouse when you're talking about money? Yeah. So for couples before they get married, there's, you know, we actually lay out like six of them of six conversations. And it's not just one conversation, it's ongoing. But the biggest thing is what's, what's your view on money? And so is, is our money, is it, so some couples would say, uh, whatever he earns is his money, whatever she earns is her money, and the two shall never mix, right? And so separate bank accounts. Uh, some couples would say, hey, we're married, we're one flesh. Whatever she makes becomes his and he makes becomes hers, and it's all ours together. And then probably a third, uh, you know, and the view I take is is uh, is it's that God entrusts us to resources. It's a stewardship mentality. And so he's entrusted resources to us as a couple that aren't that really aren't ours. We, we, you know, okay, God, how would you have us steward these resources? That doesn't mean you're giving, you know, a hundred percent away. You got to eat, you got to live, you got to buy clothes, you got to do all this other stuff. Um, but just first of all, most important is what's our mentality on money. And so having that conversation as, as a couple, is it his and hers, is it ours or is it God's and is it entrusted to us for us to steward? Mm. And, and then beyond that, there's lots of, you know, so going into marriage, what assets do you have? What debt do you have? Uh, are we aligned in the way that we're going to attack debt? And so the average couple comes into marriage with anywhere from twenty-five dollars to $35,000 worth of school and consumer debt. And they're not making a ton of money. And so how are we going to address get that? a free t-shirt when you sign up for the credit <laughs> yes. card when you're in college. Yes. You it's might so even get a free pizza too. Yes. And then there's just a broader collection of like, are you a spender, a saver? Uh, you know, the best situations are when a spender and a saver get married, because then you kind of sharpen and help each other if you're 
two spenders, you're just going to be poor and reckless. If you're two savers, you're probably going to be boring. And so there's that like middle, <laughs> and that's not scientific or biblical. That's just purely observational over the years. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. Any other yeah. money conversations that we need to have? Uh, how do you make decisions as a couple? And so how are you going to like, Hey, if I'm going to go buy a cup of Starbucks, do I have to get my spouse's approval? Hopefully not. But if I go, what's like the money cap that we're going to be comfortable spending on our own before we make decisions as a couple. And then the last, you know, not last, but like another category is like, how are we going to communicate about money? And so like, are we going to, are we going to track our money? Are we going to use Quicken, Mint, Spreadsheet, something like that? And then how are we going to check in with each other just to see how we're doing so we're just not reckless with money? Yeah, I think making money a part of the regular ongoing conversation yeah. Yeah. So, that, so that you can get and stay aligned about it. Yes. About uh, it. About it. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, do you go to Starbucks and not tell me? All the time. <laughs> we need to have this conversation. Yes. Well, see, see, now here's the thing. Danielle would tell you that I bought her van without her knowing. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Scott, be quiet a minute. I got to tell Scott this story. <laughs> One of my very, very, very pet peeves is, you know, those Lexus commercials where they show up and there's a brand new Lexus yes. with the giant bow. Yes. And I'm like, really? You would buy a entire vehicle with payments for every month without well, either running payments that by or drop like drain the, the, well, the account either way yeah. that's either way. crazy to think that you would do that for your spouse so that is totally one of my pet peeves okay so scott i go off to this um i'm just gonna summarize it and say a Destiny christian project yeah but it's a christian women's intensive like i'm coming home on the like retreat high and I'm like, oh, everything is great and lovely. And I walk in to the garage and there is a brand new mm. Honda Odyssey van mm. sitting in the driveway. I'm just, I lost my mind. Now, I just we was had been talking. Up, we I had, had, had conversations been about filled this. up with Jesus and then boom, drained it right no, out. No, no, no. We had, had been talking about this for a month or more. And I don't think and we the, ever landed and on the a old guess. Van. Yeah, we were. I said I was headed out to, I was going to make it happen. I thought it was a joke. And the old van, like the door wouldn't open anymore. The the engine would just shut off in the middle of it, somewhere. <laughs> that like, was, that's fair. It would just stop working. <laughs> and they, you know, Danielle and the kids are out in 110 degree Texas heat one, one day, baking alive in a dead minivan in a Lowe's parking lot. And... We had had the conversation. We had talked about. We had prepared for it and everything. I just pulled the trigger while you were gone. Okay, Scott. What do you have to say? You didn't come in when when on the way out the door when you were leaving. I said, "Would you prefer red or white?" I thought he was joking. (laughs) He jokes. He's a jokester. He jokes about a lot of things. Uh, He said white, so I got white. What more can you ask for? I like both of you, so I'm not going to step in the middle of this one. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. that means he agrees with me. To... <laughs> no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. He's shaking his head. Okay, but to be fair, like you could take uh, my minivan key when you pry it from my cold dead hands. Like I yeah. love my minivan yeah. to yeah. you know the earth to the moon and back and everywhere in between. You're welcome, honey. Thank yeah, you. I want to know. I want to know who's got that job. The, the, those commercials. The other one is the truck when like they walk out and it's the his and hers truck. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. all oh, it's souped two up. Trucks. It's two yeah. trucks. And it's yes. never. It's the the commercials never for like. <laughs> it's never for like a the twelve thousand dollar subcompact like no. utilitarian vehicle. It's always no. the fifty thousand dollar luxury <laughs> car. And you're just like, what? Yeah, they pimp that ride and that's the car they get. And yeah, yeah. I mean, no so way. The deepest, yeah. the deepest part of me that hates everything about that, you violated it. But somehow... But you loved it too. I love you and I love my minivan too. So yeah. I don't know what that really says, but it somehow worked out. 
Yeah, that's good. But I am scared to leave town ever again. <laughs> I'm never going to another women's Christian conference again. Yeah. Is that why you haven't led a Destiny project? Yeah. No, nope, that's why. I'm scared yeah. of what you're going to do while I'm gone. Well, I already told you what I'm doing with my car. All right. So, Scott, okay. In wrapping up, please don't talk anymore about cars. You're giving me like a tick. I'm just saying, don't be surprised tomorrow if you come home and my car isn't in the driveway and there's a different vehicle there. Okay. So, Scott, tell us about what you're doing, how we can find you, how we can get your book, because we want to know. Before you get there, before you get there, Scott, ready or not. Scott, do you have any interest in a, in a slightly used uh, Mazda? Stop. Please, please stop. Please I'm tell good. us Thank about you. your book. Please Thank tell you. us about your book, Scott. Yeah, so book, Ready or Not, comes out February. So by the time this is live, it'll be out there. Uh, actually got to see it in the bookstore on Saturday before it even came out. It was really fun. Barnes & Noble had it. But you can get it anywhere books are sold. ScottKadersha.com. So K-E-D-E-R-S-H-A. ScottKadersha.com. And if you go to ScottKadersha.com slash ready, that has all the information about the book, who it's for, why I wrote it, where you can get it. Like if you like audiobooks, Kindle, hard copy, all that. So all the info is on that page. Awesome. Scott, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You guys are here. You crack me up every time. So thank you. (laughs) So honey, what happens to us when we avoid the tough conversations? We never do that anymore. Well, well, I don't know about never, but we're very aware but, I mean, we of it there. when we do. <laughs> well, you know, when I think back to when we went through a crisis and, you know, and, and everything in our marriage, it was at the heart of it was because we weren't having conversations. Right. We weren't talking about things that actually mattered. Yeah. And so uh, I think it's so important. Well, and I, at least for me, I build up a lot of resentment and she admits it. Okay, that helps. (laughs) When it comes to things that are pulled off the table, like, oh, we're just not going to talk about that anymore. It just gets worse and worse the more you don't talk about it, at least for us. And then I know what I like to do when I withhold a conversation for a long enough time. Eat cake? I would like to do that. But I blow. I just blow my top. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If any little thing, like, let's say we're not talking about money and we're not talking about it and we're not talking about it. And then something comes up and I just, any little thing like, oh, did you go and get a new sweater at the, and then I just blow. What sweater? We don't have money for that. Like that. Oh my gosh. Yes. Something something to that effect. All right, so now the talk about it. And now the talk about it segment of the show. Each week we challenge you to set a time with your spouse to have a conversation that matters. All right, here's your conversation starter. What conversations are you consistently avoiding? It might be money. It might be sex. It might be who takes the trash out. Who knows? It might be leaving your dishes on the floor. Stop. We're not having that conversation now. From the we sofa, are not talking about their foot in a dirty, rotten, moldy milk bowl. That does not happen. No. All right. That's it for today's show. As always, we're talking about all the hot topics from the podcast and so much more over in our community on Facebook. So come join the conversation at legendarymarriage.com slash community. You can find this episode and the show notes at legendarymarriage.com slash 115. Hey, Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show so we know how we're doing and other couples can find us. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. This is Danielle and Justin reminding you once again, don't settle for an ordinary marriage. Make yours legendary. Legendary.